Hey, so glad you're joining us today as we continue in our series at Central Heights called Words to Live By. Today, our special guest is none other than Pastor Jesse Wilson. And today we're going to hear about, um, you know, what he's about, what makes him tick, and then also a particular scripture that's impacted his life as he's going to share that with us. Uh, this is going to be, I'm really looking forward to this time together. So Jesse, welcome here. Thank you. Um, maybe we should let people know we are friends. Yes. <laughs> I think so. Last I checked. So uh, you probably know this. You are the first person when I started pastoring here at Central Heights that I saw the privilege of being added to our team. That's right. And so we've known each other now for just over eight years, I think. No. Yeah, it's actually, it's actually eight years. No, yeah. really? <laughs> wow. Or at least creeping up to it. Yeah. And just to let people know, I we got tipped off to you by my sister-in-law, who yeah. is part of my prayer team mm -hmm. and said, hey, you should have a conversation with this young man. And that's, it led to a lot of good things and led to this. So uh, I know quite a bit about you and I'm going to do my best not to bring up any dirty laundry, <laughs> okay. but what, for their sake, why don't you tell us a little bit about like your background, you know, where you're born, what your childhood was like and, yeah. and about that field named after your family. <laughs> oh, wow. That's getting oddly specific. Yeah. So I was born in Calgary in Alberta and my family moved around a, a bit through my growing up years. So I uh, moved to the Northwest Territories for a time. We were there for about nine years. So as I you know, kind of start school, kind of like those are those are early years. Uh, my brother was born there. So I have one sibling um, uh, younger than me. And then from there, we moved again uh, south to northern BC. So we were up we were up there for uh, another nine years. Actually, we were in Northwest Territories for seven, then wow. nine, nine years mm -hmm. in um, Fort Nelson, British Columbia. So like right on the Alaska Highway. Never been there. Yeah. I mean, like this, there's some good camping up there, some mm -hmm. hot springs nearby. It's, I probably wouldn't go back, but mm -hmm. I mean, if I ever wanted to camp or visit, but yeah. And so, um, yeah, so one, one sibling, my parents, uh, Christian home. So my, my mom and dad believed in Jesus and, and instilled, you know, a Christian worldview in our lives. Um, and we, yeah, and we, we, it seemed like, it seemed like moving has been a big part of my life. Cause even like where I live right now, I think I've moved like six or seven times. I've been in like mm -hmm. six or seven different homes. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, a lot of, a lot of transition in my, my growing up years. Um, you want to know about the field, uh, specifically. Should we let them know about that? So, well, I mean, it's named, that's not named after me, but there is a field in a small town, uh, in Alberta. Uh, called Three Hills, where I, I also went to, to to college. I finished high school there, and my my grandpa was pretty influential in the college community. And so, as they developed a sports field, football and soccer, they the the, the athletic director named it after him. So there's Amazing. a Wilson Sports Field. I'm not actually sure it still exists. They might have like kind of like tore it up or whatever. But when I visited you, it was still there. That's I was, how I know about it. it was, I don't know of any field named after Clausen. You know, it might be a so good with thing. all the Clausens, <laughs> with all the Clausens, you'd think there would be. Yeah, you guys have way better <laughs> odds, I think. I know. So obviously speaks to the immense uh, character of, of the Wilson family. <laughs> yes. So you graduated from high school. You mentioned you went to Prairie. So mm -hmm. how did that happen? How did you make that decision? And yeah, I mean, I I had always known probably especially like through middle school and high school that Bible college was an important step coming out of high school. Like my, my parents were like, you know, they didn't, they didn't give me a box to like work with like, you must do this when you, when you leave the home. But um, they had both gone to and, and did time at Bible school. So did my grandparents. And actually in particular, both my parents and grandparents went to Prairie itself. Mm -hmm. 
And so it wasn't that I actually was tilting towards there. I'd, I'd explored a bunch of different options, but uh, ended up choosing that one anyways, which was, which was really neat. So um, I started off just doing a year there and then uh, ended up in the end doing four, but mm -hmm. it was, um, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed my experience there. No, <clears throat> did you meet this woman named Janelle there? Or how did that come about? <laughs> uh, yeah, so Janelle is my wife. We will actually, by the time we watch this, we'll have been celebrate. We will have celebrated our tenth anniversary. So that's this year. Nice. Um, but we did not. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, it's been a great adventure. Um, we we didn't uh, we didn't meet at college actually. So we mm -hmm. didn't we didn't have that kind of classic story uh, of people, but um, we, we did meet uh, doing ministry at a camp. So it's probably like the, the second layer sure. down mm -hmm. from, from Bible college is, is Bible camp. So, so we what, were, what were your roles at camp when this happened? Uh, she was she was kind of doing an administrative sort of secretary kind of role. Um, she had come into our camp, like I had grown up going to this camp, working there, mm -hmm. being involved, and then she was part of a new team that came in. So when, when I showed up again for just another round, what I figured would be my last round at mm -hmm. that camp, I was like, there's some new people here, they seem awesome, there's one that seems especially awesome. Right. So that was kind of how so the story So did you get unfolded. her to help you with a lot of administrative things? That <laughs> yeah, I seem to have all this confusion. I had to keep asking yeah, questions. Totally get it. Needed a lot of help that, yeah. that summer. And you have a couple of kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have, we have two boys. Uh, Zane, who is five now, mm -hmm. going into kindergarten, which is like surreal to me. And Zadik's our youngest, so he's mm -hmm. three. And yeah, they're just, uh, they're, they're hilarious. They, they make me laugh. Mm -hmm. Uh, it seems like you're such a good father, Jesse and Janelle, good I parents. So, and so um, as you grew up, and like, what are some of the fun things you like to do, like even today? Even today, oh man, I, I, I mean, it's weird. Like when you talk about yourself, like I like to think I'm, I'm pretty easygoing. So there are a lot of, like, I feel like I could love a lot of things, especially mm -hmm. depending on who I'm with. But, so I, I've, I've always loved, I've always loved movies, going to the mm -hmm. theater. I, I'm, mm -hmm. I love food. So I mean, a common thing for my wife and I to do, you know, as we kind of keep dating one another, is mm -hmm. trying new restaurants right. and stuff, coffee shops. Um, sports was a pretty big part of my, my growing up years. Mm -hmm. Basketball and soccer and. Um, more recently, I've been really getting into disc golf. So, right. um, okay. yeah. So let's let's really get a glimpse into who you are. So let's do a couple of things. Favorite two movies. Favorite two coffee shops. Favorite two oh. restaurants. <laughs> oh Six man. things. Come on, that'll give us a really glimpse. People see, can I, see what I'm, kind of taste you have. <laughs> I feel like I am like so nerdy when it comes to to movies that I would oh. have like categories for what I consider best made, but no. then like. Most top, enjoyed top two. I would I would probably say just in terms of enjoyment, Star Wars. Oh, I, no, um, oh not absolutely, Star Wars. Okay. I didn't necessarily say best made. I was okay, like in yeah, category yeah. of enjoyment. Um, I man, I, there's so many. I've tried to make this list so many times. Probably stuff like Inception. Okay. Any, anything by Christopher Nolan, probably. Okay. Yeah. Best two coffee Cop shops. shops. Yeah. Oh man. They're probably both in Alberta, actually, which is surprising because we have a big coffee scene here. Alberta snob. <laughs> Monogram and analog in the yeah. city of Calgary, if you're ever visiting. Yeah, it's worth I a look. figured you'd probably go there. Yeah. Restaurants, local restaurants. Local restaurants. So help us with our local knowledge. Oh, like, man. Like as far as Vancouver, Abbotsford, Vancouver. Oh, that's a tough one. Depends what you're in the mood for. I mean... If you're going for tacos, Taco Fino. If you're going for sushi, I'm a big fan of Nico in town. If you're going for, for pizza, there's Nickly Antica in uh, Vancouver. I love how you're manipulating you're going... fast food. That's good. <laughs> I just and can't so, help and myself. So what's with this? What's with the, I mean, you brought this sort of as a prop. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of part of our set. It was, I was. Is it standard, like, youth pastor stuff or whatever? Well, we did have a lot of pizza in, mm -hmm. in that youth era, which yeah. probably you should have if, yeah. if you're a youth pastor. So you originally came on to Central Heights as a youth pastor. Now you've got a mm -hmm. different role. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, tell me about, this is really good. I didn't anticipate asking this oh, question. No. <laughs> tell me about your experience at Central Heights. How has it been for you? Because this is your first role as a pastor coming here. Mm -hmm. How has it been for you? Man, like no, knowing your job's on the line. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it, everybody. Um, no, I'm oh, man, super grateful. I, I, I think I've grown to appreciate it more knowing a who I've had like the, like honestly the the privilege to like work with both like in terms of staff, um, volunteers as well. Like I think of like our youth teams mm -hmm. over like mm -hmm. the six years I was doing that. Um, students even just the joy of, of seeing them own their faith and, and like honestly having like hilarious stupid fun along the way as well and and I know like it it I don't take it for granted too because I, I see where a lot of people even in my own graduation year who were you know had similar passions similar direction in life where they ended up and man there's there's been a lot of stories of hurt and frustration and disappointment where a lot of them aren't even in ministry anymore. And so to see like just the, the trajectory in one place for as long as I've been here, mm -hmm. which in some ways doesn't seem that long, but is, is like actually like abnormal in, in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. So yeah, really, really grateful Lord led us here um, to, to Abbotsford. Mm -hmm. I just want to say personally how much I've appreciated working with you. Mm -hmm. And I really think I can speak on behalf of our church family how how much we esteem you and, and are mm. so glad that you're part of this team. Oh, thanks. And love the way you teach from God's Word. And today we get to hear really a passage of Scripture that comes from your heart that's mm -hmm. impacted you personally. Mm -hmm. And I think as you share that uh, with the personal impact, it's really going to affect us all in a good way today. So, Jesse, God bless you as you talk to okay, us today. Thank you. So if you know me, you know that I like a certain degree of control in my life. Not, uh, not necessarily like controlling people per se, but uh, I, I do value having control over the things that I'm responsible for and the things that I care about. And one of the, one of the difficult things in life though that you discover is that there are gonna be things that happen to you that are outside of your control. And for me, one of the first times this reality really hit me, was when I was 14 and my mom was diagnosed with cancer. Like, like what, what, do we, what do we do when there are things that are so impactful that happen to us that we cannot control? And so after a, a two-year fight, my mom dies, and I remember one of the first questions coming out of receiving that news was a two-word question that, that really started to govern a lot of the events after that point. And it was the question, what now? What now? Like we, at that point, we, we had just moved from another province to a new town to be closer to treatment for her. And so we're, we're in the space now where we've got no friends, no church, no stability. And for me, now no mom. And so the question, what now? Like, man, that started to feel really appropriate. And I think that's why I like this particular verse we're going to look at today, Colossians 3, verse 17, because at, at key moments in my life where I felt like things were out of my control, where I felt maybe hopeless or uncertain, this text provided direction and purpose for me. And so I want to read it for us. Again, this is Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, which says this, 
And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we get this summary statement written by the Apostle Paul, you know, guided by the Spirit after unpacking all these amazing truths in the first three chapters to the, to the, in this book to the, to the Colossian church way back in history, saying, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And, and I think for me why I so love this is that although there are going to be things in life that happen to us that we cannot control, there is something we can control. We can control what we live for, the perspective that we hold, the, the priorities that we set. And I think that this verse helps us to do that so well in a way that, that both makes sense and really matters. And um, if you're like me, like, like, I really need both of those things. I need things to, to make sense and to matter. Like, and and those, those two things don't always go together, right? Like, if you were to tell me, if you were to tell me that olives were on sale right now at Save on Foods, I would go, yes, sure. I mean, maybe they've got a surplus of olives and they've got to lower the price. And you know, like I could say, yes, that's true. That statement corresponds to reality, but I could not care less. <laughs> like I, for me, that, that's, that truth is not relevant. It doesn't matter because I think olives are terrible. And, and why, why I think, in, as silly as that example is, I think there's something inside all of us maybe deep inside, where we really want to grab onto something in life that is both true and meaningful. And for me, as, as this verse kind of worked its way into my life, I, I started to see, wow, yes, this makes sense, and this really matters. And, uh, and I think for us as, as a church and for us as Christians, we are really going to need to take the, the encouragement of this verse seriously as we head, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic, we're heading into new cultural dynamics, some of which are like unprecedented still and maybe even uncharted as the church. And it's like, what, what should we be doing? What could we do? And, and I think this verse gives us that sense of direction and purpose in, in a way that's very helpful and, and, and really for things that I am especially burdened for and passionate about one of which is to make disciples of the next generation. So, so going back to probably the most striking moment where, where Colossians 3.17 really landed in my life was, was back in 2010. I had come to Vancouver, which, was, which wasn't a small thing. I was living in Alberta at the time. We fly out here to come to something in Vancouver called the Passion Conference. And that night, uh, in the course of the evening, uh, there was a speaker, his name was Louis Giglio, and he's unpacking this very text, Colossians 3.17. And for me, in, in one of the, like, I would say almost a defining moment of my life, it was like the room kind of slowed down, and it was like God just took this text and just kind of like worked it deep inside to be like, wow, like, there's something here I need to pay attention to. Because at that point, I was at another, like, what now? moment in my life. I, 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 you know, I graduated high school. I had even finished up a little bit of college. I'm, I'm dating this girl I really like who would eventually become my wife. But I'm, I'm asking all these questions like, where do I go? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Like, what, what should I be banking my life on? Where am I headed? And, and you know, do I, do I head into to aviation and become a pilot? Because there's all these questions I had about where, where to go. And it was like God took this verse and went, okay, Jesse, look, Regardless of what you specifically end up doing, there's something that's more important. That in whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father 
through him. And eventually, that, you know, that worked its way out to where I did feel a specific calling to the next generation to make disciples. So, you know, I, I finish up my degree, I, I become a pastor, and I've just got this, this, this burden to, to share my faith with those who are my age and younger. And something we know is so important for the next generation, and probably honestly for every generation, but I know research is especially showing this for, for those nowadays, is that we, we need to be sharing our faith in, in like one-on-one, life-on-life context. It's the best way to, to kind of transmit, you know, the, the worldview, the, the reality of Jesus in, into the hearts and lives of those younger than us. And, and so when, when it comes to this, like, well, what, what are we going to, how are we going to do this? Like, like this, 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 is, this has got to, to make sense because it seems like this, this really matters. And so when we look at, 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 a, at fra- the phrasing of this even, like, like the words word and deed in, in the Bible, when we see these paired together, it's like, this is about the totality of our lives. This is, this is about following Jesus, you know, not just when it's like ex- we're expected to do so. Like looking back even to, to Colossians chapter 2, like 3.17 connects to some things we've already seen. In, in chapter 2, we see this statement, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So it's like if you've given your life to Jesus, you put your trust in him, you're banking your life on him, you know, live in him. Not just in settings where it's normal or easy to do so. Like, it's, it's expected that we would maybe do it, you know, for an hour on a Sunday morning, but, but what about in our workplace? What about, what about in the hallways of, of our school? What about in our living rooms? See, if we're really going to pass on our faith to the next generation, if we're really going to live consistently with, with, with who God is and, and what He's done for us, this has to be in, in all of life, in the whatever of this verse, in the everything of this verse. Or, or as we talk about as a, as a church, in, in all 168 hours of our week. And so, and so you know, how, how, do, how, do we, how do we take this? How do we actually do this then? Because it seems like this adds like a, like, a lot of, like a lot of pressure. This is a big vision for life. But, but for me, when this kind of like took hold of my life, coming out of uncertainty, coming out of crisis, this, this wasn't about an adding a burden. This was about direction. This wasn't, this wasn't pressure, this was purpose. And, and something that's been so helpful for me to try to figure out, how do, how do I actually take this large vision, this larger reality that's, that's true regardless of whatever small reality I'm in, something that's really helped me is to think about, about it this way, that in every room I'm in, I need to make Jesus the most important person in that place. Like, like what if we were a church, what if we were Christians in this city, where it's like in every room, Jesus is the most important person there in every, in every place we go. And I think we, we, get, we get tipped off to this even in the language of the text. So you look at this, this terminology, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Like, what, what does that mean? And, and in the Bible, whenever we see this term, the, the name and the name of God, it's always representing his character and his nature. So it's like, you know, in light of, of who God is, in light of what God has done, in light of who you now are because of those realities, Live consistently with that. And, 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 and what would be so helpful, actually, is, is to actually see this verse in the context of what has already come before and insert some of these truths in there to actually you know, put some fresh wind into our sails and ignite a fire for this. Because look, what, who is this Jesus we're talking about? Even just from the context of this letter to the Colossians. So, so let's, let's try this out for a second. Um, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, who's that? 
Well, go back to even chapter 1. Like, look at even verse 14. Jesus, the one in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Who? Look again, verse 15 of chapter 1. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 16. By him, all things were made. All things were made through him and for him. 117, who are we doing this? He's holding all things together. Chapter 1, verse 18, he's the firstborn uh, from the dead. Um, Chapter 1, verse 18, he's the head of the body, the church. Do everything in the name of Jesus. In him, verse 19 of chapter 1, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And so on and so forth. All these truths, like he's he's presenting us blameless and holy before him. In him, all the, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Do everything in the name of this Jesus. Make this Jesus the most important person in every room. I, I, think, I think a helpful question for us, you know, in word and deed, before we act or, or, or say anything, would be, should I do this if I'm representing Jesus? Can I do this if I'm representing Jesus? Like, like to, be, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not always brave enough to ask that question. I'm not brave enough to ask that question when I'm about to press play on Disney Plus or, or respond to somebody's email. Like, let's, let's go on a rabbit trail here for a second. I, I dare you, I dare you to take Colossians 3 verse 17 and use it as a filter for what you choose to do in your spare time. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. That's your filter. Like for me, like for me I've had... I've had this unhealthy addiction with movies since middle school, and using this as a filter has helped me out in several occasions to be like, you know, is there something else I should be giving my time and attention to? And it wasn't like every time I, I, I went off and I, you know, I read the Bible or I prayed or did something that was obviously Christian, but sometimes it was like, you know what, I'm just going to actually choose something else that isn't going to influence me so poorly. What if, we, what if we were to do that, to make Jesus the most important person in every room? That makes so much sense. There's a logic to this, and it's good for us. But, but, more, but more than that, there's actually an urgency, I think, in this text. See, as, as we head in, into the next era of church, I, I so believe that the world needs us to represent Jesus well. Our world, our, our city, the, the indigenous community, the LGBTQ plus community, our friends, our co-workers, those we go to school with, our, our families, those we even consider to be our enemies. They need us to represent Jesus well. Like some, something I am so like personally concerned about is the amount of people who, uh, and maybe even especially during COVID, have drifted from their faith. It's like they're, they're, they're walking away, they're, they're, they're deconstructing a faith that was, that was handed down to them, so they took the things they, that they taught, that were taught to them, they take the things that were modeled for them, and they've, they've deconstructed it, and, and, but rather than reconstructing their faith out of that place, which can be so helpful, they've actually needlessly, I would say, walked away from Jesus himself. And, and like, why, the, why this burdens me so much is like, in the conversations I have with people, and, and if you're in this space too, like, I, I so often see people walk away and dislike or even hate a God that doesn't even exist. 
And maybe it's because he just hasn't been represented well. And there's an urgency here in actually doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus as like the, the orientation to the world in, in everything that we do. Just a few verses later in chapter 4, Paul elaborates on this even more in chapter 4, verse 5, where he says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. So our life is, is filled with, with opportunities to treat Jesus as he actually is, to, al- to align our lives with, with, with the biggest possible reality, to, to, to know that like this makes sense. He is actually the most important person in the cosmos. So he should be the most important person in every room and be represented well as we align our lives around who he is and what he's done. Like, take this even beyond just the letter to the Colossians. Look at, like, Revelation chapter 5. Look at how Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. All, this whole witness of the Bible, like, there is something so rich and amazing and worth following here. And that person is Jesus. So why would we not want to do everything in his name, representing him well? And I think that as we do this, Not only are we doing something for our benefit and something for the good of others and for our world, and and yes, obviously for the glory of God, I think we actually create a new posture and a new reflex towards life in in general. Because the second half of this verse, what what we see here, is not only is it about representing Jesus, look again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's like this text um, at times in my life has created like a new default setting. So imagine, imagine this in our church or, or in your life or in your family's life where it's like, man, I'm, I'm coming at it where I'm, I'm representing Jesus, but my default setting is gratitude. Gratitude, because in, like, th- again, this verse is coming out of like a, a, near the end of this letter where we've already seen so many amazing truths, this, this good news of what God has done for us in Jesus. It's as if, you know, what we already have in Jesus is greater than anything we could gain or lose in life. So, of course, we would represent him. Of course, we would be thankful. So, so in in times in your life where you're thrilled about what's going on, represent Jesus and be thankful. In times where you dislike what is going on, where you're inconvenienced, frustrated, hurting, represent Jesus and be thankful. In times where things happen to you that are that are outside of your control, represent Jesus and be thankful. Why? Because all, all of this framework for life coming out of Colossians 3.17, it's connected to what's already true. And let me just remind us of a few things that are true. Like, look again, even back to the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. So there's something beyond our effort, qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light Verse 13 of chapter 1, he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the Son that he loves. And all throughout the opening of this letter, it's like we were alienated from God in our rebellion and in our sin, but God has made us alive together with him. Even just a few verses earlier in chapter 3, when Jesus comes at the end of time, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. What we already have in Jesus is greater than anything we could gain or lose in life. So not only does it make sense that we would represent him, it makes sense that we would carry a posture of gratitude to him in whatever we face, in everything 
that we do. Why would I not? Why would I not want to do everything in word or deed in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him? Nothing else makes more sense. And nothing else matters more.